Praise the Lord. Let's go over to Exodus 15. And uh, we're going to continue to look at this that we have been on over the last number of weeks, a covenant of healing. And uh, we'll go over some things that uh, obviously we always remind ourselves of. But uh, there's things that you must develop your faith in. And uh, three things. Uh, develop your faith in what God said. And you develop your faith in what God said about, number one, about himself. What did God say about himself? Um, it amazes me how people will go to a church that's embalmed in unbelief and believe what somebody else said about God. And they won't ever take the time to get in the word for themselves to find out what God said. And then they'll make excuses for going to that funeral parlor. Well, you know, I just can't leave. We'll die then. I mean, that, you know, that's, that's, <laughs> you wouldn't say that, but that's, that's what you're thinking. Well, dear Lord, you know, you're, you're where you're getting no help, right? And they're, they're letting somebody else tell them what to believe about God. That may, may, you know, maybe God's got a reason for that. Or, well, you just never know what God will do. <clears throat> when you buy a phone, you get an instruction manual with the phone. If you don't know what your phone will do, it's because you never read the instruction manual. If you don't know what God will do, you've never read the instruction manual. And you can't depend on somebody else to always tell you what your phone should be doing. Because you might need your phone and not know how to get what you need. So you have to develop your faith in what God said about himself. Then secondly, what he said about his word. What did he say about his word? You know, when you ask uh, uh, the nominal believer, what did God say about his word? Uh, uh, uh. Well, what did God say about his word? Well, and someone will say he, he said it was truth. Well, what did he mean when he said it was truth? What does truth do? What can truth accomplish? What does truth represent? If the word is truth, then you can understand why he said in Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. Now, we stop right there. And you know, us in Word of Faith circles, that's one of our favorite verses. Oh boy, we just shout about that. I mean, you'll turn the whole audience out when you get on that verse. Because I believe that. But, but think about that. That means there's something back of what he's saying that guarantees this. There's, so, there's something that he's bound to that he can say, my word will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I said. And by the way, it will prosper in the thing that I sent it to. So there's something behind it that binds it him to that. 
So I've got to develop my faith in what God said. Develop my faith in what God said. Thirdly, you have to develop your faith where your healing's concerned. You have to develop your faith where healing is concerned. I have, to, I have to be where it's at. I have to be in a church where it's taught. I have to be in a ministry where it's, where it's taught on regularly. Why? Because you're never going to become proficient in something that you don't hear consistently. You just won't. You just won't become proficient in it. Hallelujah. Now, as we get into to our teaching... You have to always remember, first of all, you have a covenant. I have a covenant. Say it out loud. I have a covenant. Right? I have a covenant. I have a covenant that God himself initiated. God was the promising agent in this covenant. All right? Secondly, I have to always remember the Bible is a covenant book sealed with blood on both ends. The, old, the, the first covenant or the old covenant, the blood of bulls and goats, the second covenant... The blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. It's sealed with blood on both ends. Thirdly, a covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. A covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. And that covenant mindset is, uh, 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 plays into what I said earlier a little bit. Is that covenant mindset is there are things that God has bound himself to. And the main thing that God has bound himself to is his word. You know, when you say God and his word are one, they're, they're bound to one another. You can't separate him from what he said. And you can't separate him from what he said because of what connects it. Blood connects it. Uh, under the old covenant, it was the life of the sacrifice that bound God to his word. Under the new covenant, it's the life of Christ that binds him to his word. So every, th every promise that he made was promised on the life of Jesus. Every promise under the old covenant was dependent upon the sacrifice of the lamb in the new covenant. And every promise that you see, every healing that you see in the old covenant was made on credit for the payment that was coming. And so when you see somebody healed in Genesis 2,000 years before Jesus was ever born, God healed someone on credit 2,000 years before the sacrifice for that healing was ever paid. Well, why? Because he had a covenant. He had promised. And, and the person that you see healed in Genesis wasn't even a Jew. They weren't even Hebrews. God healed Abimelech's house on credit. Because he had a covenant with Abraham. And to protect Abraham, he healed Abimelech's house. This is important. Because every promise is based on that blood. Every one. And so, a covenant mindset is this mindset that I know God cannot change. I know God cannot lie. I've had people come to me and say, well, you know, God wouldn't lie 
Well, the fact that you use the word wouldn't means you're thinking about it. A covenant mindset, there's things the book's closed on. God can't lie. God can't lie. That's it. God, God can't lie. So that means the promise. Now think about promise. When we think promise today, here's, here's the fact. Whether you will admit that you think this way, we do. When someone says, oh yeah, I promise I'll be there. Here's what you think. Well, I hope they show up. Or you say something, they don't show up. I don't know what we'll do. But they promise. But see, a promise can be just a word. It can be just something to show interest. Oh, I promise I'll be there. But when God makes promise, there's no way out of it. If I'll exhibit faith and obedience, there's no way for him to be out of it. He's bound himself to it by blood in both covenants. When he said, in, and we'll look at this today, when he said in the Old Testament, I am the faithful God. Deuteronomy 7, 9, I am the faithful God that keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. There's no way out of that. So he describes himself merciful, faithful, and covenant-keeping. But So why do people blame God and accuse God of not being merciful or unfaithful or breaking his covenant? Because they don't have a covenant mindset. This will help you where your faith walk is concerned. Is that the, the, the covenant doesn't change. The covenant cannot be altered. The covenant cannot be broken. The covenant always works. My part is faith and obedience. Well, Pastor, I know I have faith. Good, then your healing's on the way, isn't it? Because you have, a, you have faith in a covenant that can't fail. See, that's not a hard statement. And so over the years, people have gotten a bad rap by saying, you know, you have, you have to have faith. And people will even say, well, you faith guys, you say if somebody didn't get healed, it was because they didn't have faith. Well, listen, I don't argue with people about that. It's just you go back to the book. Right? And I would never point my finger at somebody and say, you know, you don't have faith or you don't have a lick of faith, do you? I mean, I would never do that. Because that's, that's, that's not my place. My pla if they don't have faith, my place is to try to get them to a place where they do have faith. But here, here's, here's my point. What your focus has to be on is what God cannot do. He cannot lie. When I was a boy growing up in church, we'd even sing a song called God Cannot Do Anything But Fail. Well, there's nothing God can't do except fail. He can't fail. Well, that leaves you with this understanding that God could change his mind. Well, God changed his mind in the old covenant based on what? Based on disobedience and lack of faith. 
Somebody wouldn't do what they were supposed to do, so God had to go find somebody that would. Your healing is very personal. Nobody can get healed for you. I've got to get healed for myself. Amen. So Exodus 15, verse 23. Oh, praise God. Just so you'll be aware, I'm not in a hurry. So this is what I do. And so if you reach a time during healing school today and you think you need to go, I love you. Exodus 15, verse 23. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, or bitterness. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? You can murmur about your bitterness of your situation, but until you're ready to partake of the covenant, nothing changes. They murmured about the bitterness, and nothing changed. And notice, they murmured to Moses, what are we going to drink? And notice, Moses went to the one that could change things. He cried to the Lord. Isn't this interesting that when you read through Genesis uh, or Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, you see the people murmuring, complaining, griping, accusing God, but never going to God. You see them griping, complaining, murmuring, accusing God to Moses, and Moses goes to God. You understand? See, this tells me something. This group that came out of Egypt, they never wanted anything to do with God. Now, this is important because God said, I am a merciful, covenant-keeping God, and God healed these rebellious people he fed them he delivered them they won great victories over enemies because he remembered his covenant with abraham not because of what they did god's not healing you because you're perfect god's healing you because he has a covenant of healing with you and he cannot change So he's not healing you because you confess enough scriptures every day or because your words are always perfect. Nobody in here, no one in here is your words always perfect, right? If you say they are, we're going to we're going to have an altar call for liars in just a moment and you can repent and maybe God will do something then. I don't know. But the, the right the point is, is it's not did I say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. No, my goodness. And the devil will get you chasing that squirrel. And that's what you'll focus on. Well, if you would just focus on keeping all your words right and, and never say anything negative and never this. Well, then you're focused on not being negative and you're, not, you're focused on you and you're not focused on Him. You have a part, but He's the healer. You have something to do, but He's the deliverer. He's the one that promised. You are the partaker of the promise. God promised, I received the promise. Oh, thank you. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't keep your words right. But the enemy will get you focused on that. I've had people in my office with their head in their hands. I guess I'm just too negative. I guess the devil's got you focused on that. 
And you're trying to correct your negativity instead of focusing on the covenant. If God would heal those people that wanted nothing to do with Him, whose hearts were not even right based on a covenant, what will God do for you when you love Him with all your heart and you want to serve Him and please Him? That's why God looks on the heart. Glory to God. If, if you stop focusing and get your focus off what you think you need to do, you'll find what you need to do is a lot easier. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Boy, that's good. And it says in verse 25, He made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there He proved them, and said, If you'll diligently hearken, now notice these words, If you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, do that which is right in His sight. Your part of the covenant is faith and obedience. Keep all of his statutes. I'll put none of these diseases on you that I brought on the Egyptians. I am the Lord that heals you. Now we went over this, so I'm not, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But he made a statute, an enactment, a decree. He made an ordinance, a judgment, a legal decision. And then he set himself in the position of healer for his covenant people. I am, blank check, I am... All right. And then he fills in the blank. The Lord. Jehovah. All right. Uh, 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 scripture uses the phrase the mighty God. All right. El. El meaning God. El Shaddai. All right. El Elyon. All right. I am the Lord. Jehovah. Self-existent one. Eternally self existent one that's powerful to me because god lets us know he's eternally self-existent so in other words he doesn't need anybody anything any event god does not have to do one thing for him to be god he just eternally self-exists as god eternally self-existent and there are people that that won't want god to prove who he is he doesn't need to he's eternally been self-existent who he is he's god but he says i am eternally self-existent i am the lord i'm i'm jehovah i'm eternally self-existent and uh here's who i am to you that heals you i am jehovah rapha i am your healer so I have a personal covenant with my personal physician who eternally is self-existent in that role. Hallelujah. The lesser translation says, I'm the Lord, your physician. So, so what does that mean? If healing comes, he did it because he's the physician. If wisdom comes for the doctor to look at something and fix it, well, ultimately the doctor's hands performed it, but God did it. Right? Don't pay any attention to people. 
that tell you that going to the doctor and the doctor being able to help you is not a testimony. That is a testimony. Any healing comes from God. And I defy anybody to say anything different. Because I'll take the word and beat you over the head with it. Amen. Because any good that comes, the Bible says every good and every perfect gift comes from God. And listen, who is God? Your covenant partner. So if good comes to you, your covenant partner did it. Amen. I mean, hallelujah. You can have hands laid on you today and walk out healed and whole. But hands might get laid on you and God might say, this is what you need to do. And healing comes. Well, when did that healing come? When hands were laid on you. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I'm not telling you to limit him to that. But I, I am saying, don't, don't get under condemnation because you went to the doctor. Or because the doctors were able to help you. Amen. God will take what the doctors did and expand on it and just take it completely out of your life. They can go fix it partially to the best that they can, and then your healer will show up and just remedy the whole situation. Amen. I had a guy stand before me last night and say, nobody knows what this is. I said, isn't it good that God don't have to know what it is to heal you from it? Hallelujah. So he is the Lord. Say this out loud. He is the Lord. That is eternally my healer. So what does that mean? He's always that. God, does, God never has to become that. He is that. So tomorrow he'll be my healer. And so if I exercise my faith in that fact that he's my healer, he's always my healer. He doesn't have to become that. Huh. So six months from now, he will be my healer. He will always be what he's always been. And what he's always been is what he'll always be. Oh, that makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, Lord, I'll say that. There's mending occurring right now. Mending in the body. Oh, thank you. Mending, 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 mending. Uh, yeah, Lord, uh, he knits the bones together. He knits the bones uh, together. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I believe that. Glory to God. So he is the Lord that's eternally our healer. Exodus 23. And, and notice this, verse 25. And you shall serve the Lord your God, faith and obedience. He will bless your bread and your water. Now, why did he need to bless their bread and their water? Because that's where diseases were carried. You got bad water, you got bad food, you can't be healthy. He said, I will bless it. Well, you know, bless it is not say grace over it. Bless it. Anything, the blessings on the curse has to go. He said, I'll bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. There will nothing cast their young or be barren in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. Now, this, this is so, there's so much here. 
He said, here's what will happen. When I speak the blessing over this part of your life, here's what will happen. Sickness and disease will be taken from your midst. <sighs> yeah, but I have this sickness right now. I know, but he'll take it. Because you're under the blessing. The blessing of the covenant. Why did he say this? Because they were attached to Abraham. Well, the doctor said, I have this. I understand that, but you're under the blessing. So he'll take it. He'll help you get it fixed. And notice, nothing will cast their young or be barren in your land. So that's obviously a miscarriage or an inability to bring forth. But think about this. Miscarriage is a shortening of life. So he's ultimately saying, there will be no shortness to your life. And your life will not be barren. You know, a life of sickness, a life of disease, a life of pain is a barren life. You, you can't accomplish what you want to accomplish and do what you want to do. And he said, there will not be miscarriages. There will not be shortness of life. There will not be barren, unfruitful life. And the number of your days, I... I've heard people quote this and say, he said, the numbers of your days you will fulfill. He didn't say you. He said, I will fulfill. How, how is that? He's the promising agent. If, what's my part? Faith and obedience. If I'm faithful and I'm obedient, he said, I will fulfill the number of your days. What does that mean, I will fulfill the number of your days? Well, you'll live that long, Pastor. It means I will fulfill. In your days, I will fulfill everything I promised you. Oh, my Lord. So I have a covenant that says if sickness is there, my healer will take it. Hallelujah. Glory. John chapter 1. He'll take it. <laughs> and uh, because this, this covenant mindset is a requirement for strong faith. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now this is important. The Amplified Bible says He was God Himself. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. In, in, in other words, the Word was eternally existent with God. The Word was, as to His essence, absolute deity. The Word was with Him from the beginning, and the Word was God. So for the Word to be with Him from the beginning, the Word had to be God. And for the Word to be God, the Word had to be with Him from the beginning. So the Word, the Word was God. Mm-hmm. Then, verse 14 
the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, wait a minute. If the Word was made flesh and the Word was God Himself, God was made flesh and dwelt among us. Because we're teaching healing school, Jehovah Rapha was made flesh. Jehovah, my healer, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Mm. Glory. Verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. Now that's a little blind to us. Because it says the Word, God, was made flesh and dwelt among us. Well, people saw Jesus. They saw the tent. That's what it means. The Word entered a new mode of existence and became flesh and lived in a tent. His physical body. Why do you think the Bible likens the Old Testament tabernacle to Jesus? Because the Old Testament tabernacle held the Shekinah glory of God. Nobody knew what was inside that tabernacle. It was covered up by a tent. When Jesus was born into this earth, there was nothing special about Him. The Bible says that there was nothing about Him that would cause us to desire Him or think that He was special because what was great about Him was on the inside of that tent. And after the anointing came on Him, what was in the tent started operating in the lives of the people. Hallelujah. Now, the Amplified Bible clears this up a little bit. No man has ever seen God at any time. The only unique Son or the only begotten God who is in the bosom in the intimate presence of the Father, watch this, He has declared Him, He has revealed Him, and brought Him out where He can be seen. He has interpreted Him and made Him known. That's powerful. So when you saw Jesus, you saw the works of God, yet you didn't see God. But you saw His works. Well, if He was doing the works, who's doing the works? People say, well, Jesus did the works. Well, what does the word Jesus mean? Savior. Why was the Savior in the earth doing the works? Because God made a promise to Abraham that one of his seed would impact the entire earth. We're not taking away from Jesus. We're empowering his position. Jesus means Savior. But Jesus said himself, I'll show you this in a minute. He said, it's the Father in me that's doing the works. I'm, I'm showing you this for a reason. Because I have a covenant. Oh, glory. So Jesus revealed the healer, brought the healer out where he could be seen. He interpreted him and made him known. So what does that tell us? That Jesus Christ is the interpretation of the Father.
How do you interpret God? By looking at Jesus. Can, can you say that? Say, I interpret God by looking at Jesus. Now think about this. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed. Now notice how God anointed. Notice Jesus didn't anoint himself. There, there are people that will leave you to believe, you know, Jesus, Jesus could just put a little dab on himself. No, Jesus, God anointed Jesus who went about doing good. And it says Jesus of Nazareth. It connects him to his manhood. It connects him to his humanity. God anointed the man Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. But we know from John 1 and other scriptures in John that God was not just with him, God was in him. And God was doing the work. Why was God, why did Jehovah Rapha become flesh? Because he had a covenant compact with Abraham, God's word had bound him, his blood had bound him to his word. Hallelujah. John 14. Oof. And verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said, have I been such a long time with you, and you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest you, show us the Father? The Amplified Bible says this, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? What I am telling you, I do not say on my own authority and of my own accord, but the Father who lives continually in me does the, His works, His own miracles, deeds of power. So Jesus attributed the works, the miracles that He did. He said they are the Father's works. They are His own miracles, His own deeds of power. It's not taken away from Jesus. Jehovah Rapha is in Christ doing the works. Why? He has a covenant. I am the Lord that heals you. Hallelujah. The Father was working in Jesus to fulfill the covenant. God needed to get Jesus the man into the earth so that God could do his covenant work through Jesus the man. Listen, put all the scriptures together. It says this. It says that, that Jesus came to the Father and he said, Sacrifice and burnt offerings you did not desire, but a body you have prepared me. And people say, yeah, that was for the sacrifice. It was for the sacrifice, but it was for the purpose of works. It was for the purpose of getting the covenant into the earth to God's people. We, we teach these things sometimes. What happened from Malachi to Matthew? 400 silent years where God did not speak to his people. They had very little contact with God. 
During that time, all the man tradition, all the human tradition came in and began to water down the Word of God. God's people went into bondage again and again and again. And by the time Jesus is in the earth, they are under bondage to the Roman Empire. Greatest empire the world's ever known. And they, they were under bondage to the Roman Empire. And on that little hill outside of Jerusalem, the angels showed up and they said, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Peace is a covenant term. It's the word sozo. It's the word soteria in the Greek. It means wholeness, completion, forgiveness, salvation, healing. Oneness with God is in the earth. And the Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see this? So when Jesus laid hands on someone and healed them, yes, Jesus the man laid hands on them, but God healed them. Why? Because Jehovah Rapha was in the earth in Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Our part of the covenant is faith and obedience. Look at Mark chapter 7. Am I helping you today? Listen, part of our supply, the Lord told me some time ago, a long time ago now, to, 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 to preach healing and faith for healing more than ever because this is part of our supply to the body of Christ. And God's opening up more doors to do it. But Mark 7, verse 24. And from there, he, Jesus, arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon. Now, understand why he's going to the borders of Tyre and Sidon. There are no enemies there. When you read the other accounts in the Gospels, they're trying to kill him. And the Bible says he escaped them and left. And he goes to Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. Why could he not be hid? Because there was a woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit. She heard of him and came and fell at his feet. So sometimes, you know, we, we, we read this and we think, you know, Jesus was just strolling along the seaside and, and this woman just found him. No, he was in a house trying to get away from everybody. But he couldn't be hid. Because here come this woman. And it says, it says she was a Greek. A Gentile. One says a Syrophoenician. By nation. And she besought him that he would cast the devil out of her daughter. Now, now I want you... To think about this. We got some time. I'll get through this. I want you to think about this. Think about how her house had to be. She's got a daughter that's possessed with a devil. She's a Gentile. She's a Syrophoenician. They, 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 they worshipped all kinds of ungodly deities. Satan worshippers. They didn't know they were worshipping Satan, but they were. And this, da this daughter contracts this demon spirit. Imagine her life. You go home every day and your demon-possessed daughter is the same. 
You get up in the morning and she's possessed. You go to work and she's possessed. You come home and she's possessed. There's no hope. I got no hope. Mm. But she heard of Jesus. She heard of him. Evidently, she had heard about him somewhere else. And then she heard he's in that house. This is a lesson for us. There are people that claim they need something from God, but you won't see them in church more than once a week. They'll claim they, they need something from God in their body, but they won't leave that unbelieving funeral parlor they call a church and come somewhere where they can get some help. Just because you're going where there's a preacher doesn't mean you're in a church. Amen. Amen. You might have Jack Frost in the pulpit and Snow Frosty the snowman in the pew. Yeah. Amen. Because if you're not getting healing from the pulpit, here's the bottom line. You're not getting healing. Amen. This woman heard of Jesus, that he was in the house, and she made a decision. I don't care what anybody says or does. I'm going to that house. And I'm going to fall at his feet because I don't have any hope. I don't have anybody that can help me. I don't know what she tried. But they are saying there's no cure for this. There's nothing anybody can do. And I heard about him. And if I can get to him, just maybe there's some hope. Mm. Look what she besought him that he would cast the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, now notice, the Bible is so plain about this. It says she besought him. Notice what, where she was. She fell at his feet. Hallelujah. All she knew to do was go get on her face. Because I've heard about him. I've heard what he can do. Hallelujah. And she besought him. She begged him. She cried out to him. Help me. Cast the daughter out, the demon out of my daughter. Now notice. But Jesus said. Let the children first be filled. For it's not me. It's not right. It's not acceptable to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now notice something. This woman had no covenant. Therefore she had no healer. She's in the presence of the healer with no covenant. I'm, I'm making a point. She's in the presence of Jehovah Rapha. With no covenant. And Jesus said... Let the children first be filled. It's not right. It's not correct. It's not acceptable to take the children's bread. Now, now, notice the word. The children's bread and cast it to the dogs. The little house dogs. So Jesus called those with a covenant children. And those without a covenant dogs. 
Now, I don't know where you stand with your dog, but here's the bottom line. No matter how hard you try, a dog will never be a child. There are people who say, well, my dogs are my children. No, they're not. They're a dog. They eat things you would never eat. They sniff things you would never sniff. They, right? They're a dog. They act like a dog. They are a dog. You can try to make them a person, but you the fool, not the dog. And Jesus said, it's not right to take bread, what is healing bread, and give it to the dogs. She's in the presence of the healer, but she has no covenant. Now, this is important. What is our part of the covenant? Faith and obedience. She's in the presence of the healer. She's in the presence of Jehovah Rapha. And Jehovah Rapha says to her, it's not right to take this healing that belongs to the children and give it to you. Is that right? Mm. He said, let them first be filled. Let the children first be filled. Is that what he said? He said, let the children first be filled. In other words, there will be a time for the dogs to eat, but not now. You understand? But wait a minute. He said, now's not the time, but when did the woman need the miracle? Now. Lord, I realize there's a time coming, but I need help now. So there's got to be a connection to the covenant. If I need it now, there's got, and, and, and it's not here now, but it's coming. I need to be able to get what's coming here now because I need it now. And she said, That's right, Lord. Don't ever over-spiritualize that. She's talking physically. You're right. I'm a Syrophoenician. I'm a Gentile. According, according to you Jews, I'm a dog. Think about that. <laughs> but uh, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. In, in other words... Look, I'm here and I recognize you as the master and I recognize where you're sitting and I recognize what you can do. And yeah, I, 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 I'm a dog and I'm on the floor, but I know where crumbs end up. <laughs> and if you'll just let me eat a crumb. In, in other words, I know who you are and I know it doesn't take much for you to do what I need you to do. And I'm here on my knees telling you, I believe in you. I believe what you can do. And my faith is in who you are. And look what he said. He said, because of this saying, go your way, the devil's gone out of your daughter. One, one of the gospels says, oh woman, great is your faith. Go your way. And notice what it says. Oh my God, my God, my God. And when she was come to her house, 
She found the devil gone out. Stop, stop, stop. This is so powerful. Why did she find the devil gone out? Because God has bound himself by blood to what he says. And God cannot lie. And God cannot change. And for a woman that did not even have a covenant. But she had faith. God would not lie to her. And he said you go your way. Your daughter is free. And she got home and found the demon gone. Found it gone. If God said you're healed, you will without fail one day find it gone. Boy, I got to shout again. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You will find it gone. The Amplified Bible says, because of this saying, you may go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter permanently. He took it away. Permanently. So what does that mean? What you're dealing with maybe in your body is going to go away. And it's going to go away permanently. So that means next year is not going to be like this year. And next month's not going to be like this month. Why? Because you have found yourself today at the feet of Jehovah Rapha. And He has said your faith will make you whole. Oh, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. And it said she went home and found the child thrown on the couch. And the demon departed. I don't know what the scene looked like, but from the verbiage that they, they had, a, when that demon left, he tore her, he threw her on the couch, but it didn't matter how he left, he left. Who cares how it goes, as long as it goes. Hey, amen. Maybe hands are laid on you and it leaves instantly under the hand of the minister. Or maybe the doctor finds it and says, we can fix this. Who cares how it goes as long as it goes. And when it goes, it's not coming back. That affliction will not arise again the second time. That is a covenant promise from the Lord God, Jehovah Rapha, your healer. When I heal you, you're healed. Oh, glory. I'm glad I came to healing school today. Notice here in, 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 in Luke 17. I keep trying to get to another account and I never get there. <laughs> Yet. It's so important. It's so important. Gone out permanently. I have a covenant that it will go and not come back. How, how do I know that? Because he told his covenant people that didn't even believe in him. He said, the Egyptians that you see today, you'll see them no more forever. No more forever. You may see it today, but you're not going to see it anymore. Forever. It'd be great if he just said, you're not going to see them anymore. But he said, you won't see them anymore forever. 
Hallelujah. What, what does that mean? Uh, deliverance from Egyptian bondage is, is a type and a shadow of, of redemption and deliverance from our life that we live before Christ. Those things that you dealt with, those things that were issues for you, you will see them no more forever. You Listen, if people would go to churches where they're taught who they are in Christ and taught the victory that they have over the things of the enemy instead of hanging around a church where they talk about how God might or God could or, you know, many are the afflictions of the righteous we got we got to get rid of all that garbage we got to get rid of all that trash that religion has tried to infiltrate our system with and know that he that the son has set free is free indeed settles the issue closes the book i'm free hallelujah and he said you'll see him no more forever so that means when you get up in the morning, you're not expecting to feel the same pain that you felt this morning. You're not expecting to feel the same tightness that you felt this morning. I've been delivered from that. I've been set free from that. I have a covenant with Jehovah Rapha. He's going to take sickness from my midst. Everything I was, I am not. Everything I felt, I won't feel. It, I will see it no more forever. Oh. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Glory to God. So that was us before Christ. No hope under the bondage of the enemy. But by faith, we entered into the covenant and we found freedom. When you believed on the Lord, name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's so important that the Bible uses the phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe. You called Him Lord. You called Him Lord. The Hebrew word Lord. Jehovah. You called Him Lord. You called Him God. You called Him your Master. And what happened? You were saved. Hallelujah. This woman called on the name of the Lord. This woman believed on Jesus. Hallelujah. And on credit, on credit, Jesus healed her daughter. He had not died yet. When he died on the cross, the blood was shed for the deliverance of this woman's daughter. But he did it on credit. Because of her faith. Notice Luke 17 verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And he entered into a certain village, and there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now notice some important things. They saw Jesus... And they said, Jesus, here's the phrase, Master. Then Master, have mercy on us. Remember Deuteronomy 7, 9. Commit it to your memory. I am the faithful God, keeping covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. What'd they ask for? Mercy. Mercy's part of their covenant. You, you ask the covenant God for something and the covenant God gives you what you ask for. 
They asked for mercy. They needed mercy to get healed. Mercy is part of healing. God heals you because He's merciful. They needed mercy to get to healing. You may not think of it this way, but God's mercy got you here today. And the Word will heal you. See, they asked mercy, and who healed them? The Word. The Word healed them. Jehovah Rapha healed them. The Bible says He sent His Word and He healed them. And very often we think He sent the healing Scriptures. He sent His Word. John 1.1 In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. He sent His Word and the Word healed them. And notice what happened. As they went, they were cleansed. Uh, but then it says this. The Amplified Bible says, Then one of them, upon seeing he was cured, turned back, recognizing and thanking and praising God. with a, Wait, what? Praising God? Praising God with a loud voice. And he fell prostrate at Jesus' feet. Doing what? Thanking Him over and over. Notice, and it makes a statement with a period at the end, and He was a Samaritan. Wait a minute. He don't have a covenant. He don't have a covenant. But yet it says that He saw He was healed. Wait a minute. This is so important. What they asked for? What the, did, did the Gentile ask for mercy? Did he get it? I'm going to show you why he got it. He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Now that's very often what we focus on. I'm not saying we shouldn't. Where are the nine? Was there no one found to return and to recognize and to give thanks and praise to God. Watch this phrase. Except this alien. Notice what the, the, the King James says. Except this stranger. You better hold on to this. The book of Ephesians chapter 2 says that at that time you were without God. Having no hope in the world. Because you were strangers and aliens from the covenants of promise. This man was a stranger and an alien from the covenant of promise. But when he asked for mercy, Jehovah Rapha, who is the covenant keeping God that keeps mercy and covenant unto a thousand generations, responded with healing. Mm. And he said to him, get up, go on your way. Watch this, your faith. What's your part of the covenant? Faith and obedience. Your faith, your trust, your confidence that springs from your belief in God has restored you to health. Now, I don't know the difference between cleansed and made whole. There are people that will preach and say, well, you know, you got missing appendages back or whatever. I don't know. I don't know if that's what it means or not. But here's what I know. He says, your faith has made you whole. Your faith 
has made you whole. That's synonymous with your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you complete. Your faith has brought whatever was missing and broken back into your life. Now, now you think about this. What happened when this man got healed? What happened? Restoration, complete restoration. Yeah, pastor, he was not sick anymore. No, he got to go home. If he was married, he got to be back with his family. If he had kids, he was allowed to be around them again. If he had grandbabies, he could kiss them and hold them again. If he had a job, he could go get it back. He was no longer an outcast. He was no longer on the outskirts of all the blessings of God. Your faith has saved you. He was a stranger, an alien, a non-covenant man. And they cried out for mercy. And he encountered the faithful God that keeps covenant and mercy. They thought they were just crying out to a man. They were crying out to Jehovah Rapha. They didn't know that God was in that tent called the body of Jesus. And that when they called out to him, they were calling out to the healer that had eternally bound himself to be the self-existent healer of all mankind. By faith, this Samaritan leper entered into the covenant God made with Abraham. I'm looking around this room and I see different, I, I see male and female. I see black and white. I even see some Frenchmen. Hallelujah. That's a whole other race, you know. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But here's the thing. At one point, everybody in here, black, white, male, female, old, young, you came into contact with the merciful God. And your salvation from sin was just the beginning of your salvation. Yeah, you're saved from hell and, and you're going to go to heaven. But you're also saved from sickness and you're saved from disease and you're saved from dying young. And you'll hear people say, well, I'm just so glad to go to heaven. I don't deserve anything God has given me. Well, yeah, we understand that. That's, that's why we fall on our face. That's why we tell Him how much we appreciate it. That's why we recognize that, that He is God in heaven and I'm here on the earth. But I recognize that when I exercise faith in Jesus, every part of that blood covenant becomes mine by inheritance. Now look at, look at Ephesians 2 and 12. We'll hurry. Remember that you were, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. You were at that time separated, living apart from Christ. Excluded from all part in Him. Utterly estranged and outlawed from Israel as a nation. I, I, I like the way the Greek tells us what a bad shape we were in. Hallelujah. You know, you'll run into people that don't know God and they'll say, well, I'm a good person. No, you're not. You're a sinner. You're utterly outlawed from the promises of God. You're, you're a stranger. You're an alien. You have no right to anything that God has. People say, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. 
God might have created you, but that doesn't make him your, you, you his child. You only become his child when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why is this important? Because it is not your goodness that heals you. I go back to it. It's, it's what do you believe? It's what do you believe? God heals nobody because they're good people. He heals based on the covenant and faith and obedience to the covenant. I had a woman that came in. If you'll give me five minutes, I'll be done. I had a woman that came to me one time and she had cancer. And uh, uh, there is an endowment on this ministry to cure cancer, to heal cancer. And uh, she came to me. And as I was talking to her, she wanted to know uh, if I would pray for her. Well, I need to know a little bit about her. And she kept saying, well, Pastor Steele, God should heal me. God should heal me. And so I heard that about three times. And I said, dear sister, tell me, why should God heal you? Because the answer to that question is going to tell me volumes. Well, God should heal me, she said, because I keep the Ten Commandments. People ask me, what did you say? I said, that's the wrong answer. I said, number one, you probably don't keep the Ten Commandments. Right? I mean, I'm not saying you don't, but I'm saying I knew where she was. You probably don't keep them. And God based nothing where faith is concerned on whether or not you kept the Ten Commandments. There wasn't anybody in here keeping the Ten Commandments before you got saved, and yet you put faith in Jesus, and He saved you. And then He gave you the ability to keep the Ten Commandments. Is that right? Empowered you to do it. Well, she didn't care for that. Because she wanted it based on her. I'm a good person. God should. I have no doubt that everyone under the sound of my voice, people watching me, I have no doubt that you're good people. Most of you here today, personally, I know you. You're good people. I have family here. But here, here's my point. God's not healing you because of your goodness. He's healing you because of the covenant and your faith in it. My father was ministering in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania one time. And it was in the middle of summer. And uh, the church that they were in didn't have any air conditioning. And it was on, on the street in downtown Pittsburgh. And uh, the door was open. And uh, there was a young lady that was walking by. She was a prostitute. And she was walking by. And, and it was very hot. And she heard the music and liked the music. And plus wanted to just get in and rest her feet a little bit. And so she came in and sat down in the church. And she was blind in one eye. Couldn't see. And my dad was preaching. He gave the altar call. And she got under conviction and came up to get saved. God gloriously saved her and healed her at the same time. She could see out of that eye. Now, now this is so important to me. 30 minutes before she was a prostitute. Came into the church. Sat there under the anointed word. Got saved. And at the very moment she got saved and made heaven ready. God healed her. Because the same faith that saved you is the faith that will heal you. The pastor's wife was stone deaf. Stone deaf. Was an excellent lip reader. Could communicate that way. She came up to my father. She had a dress down to here and down to here. Had a collar up to here. Hair way up here. No makeup. 
And she looked at my father and she said, I want you to tell me something. Communicated to him, I want you to tell me something. Why is it that I live right, I'm godly, I live holy, and God won't heal me. But he healed this prostitute and she just walked in off the street. And my dad said, because God doesn't heal you because you wear the right clothes or because you don't wear makeup or because you don't cut your hair. God heals you based on what you believe. See, that little prostitute didn't know any better than just believe God. A lot of our problem stems from us muddying the water about what we think God said. When we just need to go back and see what God said. I've been in churches where the preacher would say, well, you know, y'all come up here. If you're sick, come up here. We'll pray for you. See what God will do. Keep your seat. Just keep your seat. Keep your seat. Don't even go up there. He don't know anything about healing, and it's going to be laying hand, dead hands on a dead head. If that preacher says, let's see what God will do, that's not let's see what God will do. God cannot change. And if you approach God with, with faith, I'm telling you, sooner or later, it's going. Right now, a cure is being effected in your body. I'll, I'll close with this before we pray. Ephesians 2.13. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were so far away, through, by, and in the blood of Christ, have been brought near. Near to what? Near to the covenant. Near to the promise God made to Abraham. Healing is not hard. Receiving healing is not hard. So before I pray today, before I pray for anybody, I'm going to pray for people today. I'm going to lay hands on the sick. If you need healing in your body, you need help in your body. Before I pray, you've got to lose any idea that if you just believe hard enough, it'll happen. There's not one scripture that says believe hard. Not one. It says believe with your heart. Yeah, believe with all your heart. No, it says believe in your heart. Believe in your heart. How easy is that? Right? What, what happened when you got saved? Somehow you came under conviction. Ever what? Whether it was you, you were convicted because of how much God loved you, or you were convicted because of the life you were living, or you were convicted because somebody told you you are going to hell. Right? But how quick did you change? How quick did you make the decision? People say, well, you know, I believe God. Well, but you can't tell me you believed with all your heart that you just gritted your teeth. I believe with all my heart. I remember when Jim got saved. I, I was there. I was playing the guitar in the praise team the Sunday morning. He got born again. He had been coming to church for a number of months, sitting in the back, not involved in anything. Didn't want to be involved in anything. He was at church to make his wife happy. Amen. But I, I remember the Sunday... I remember the song we were playing. I know that he's alive. He came to heal my broken life. And I live to glorify Jesus Christ. And I saw him. You can't miss him stand up six feet seven. You can't miss him standing up. 
I saw him unfold and stand up out of that chair and walk the altar and he got the aisle and got right up there at the altar and knelt before God, tears in his eyes, and I watched him get gloriously saved. It was just a decision he made. You got to decide. When hands are laid on me, I'm receiving my healing. Well, if I don't feel any different, faith has nothing to do with feelings, and feelings have nothing to do with faith. If you'll stay in faith, you'll have a feeling. Oh, hallelujah. Well, if you'd like prayer today, you can just come to the front, and we'll lay hands on you today. Oh, hallelujah. The simplicity is, God said, you lay hands and I'll heal them. That, that, that verse in Mark 16, going to all the world and preach the gospel, he that believeth and baptized shall be saved, he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that are good enough. These signs shall follow them that confess the word enough. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. They will lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. Is that right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just, just lift your hands this morning. Just close your eyes. And I want you to see something that's aided me tremendously over the last nearly 30 years. When I am believing God for something, I just close my eyes. And I see God standing in covenant blood with his right hand raised. Saying, I swear. I swear. I swear I'm Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord, your healer. I want to take your sickness from your midst. I want to do it right now. I want to do it this morning. I want to do it today. Right now. Now with your eyes closed, your hands raised, just say, Lord, I'll let you take it. I give it up right now. I receive my healing. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father. Thank you. Ha, ah, Father. As I lay hands on him. And he speaks to his girls. And he speaks to them and touches them. May this healing power flow. There it went. That just went into your body. Yeah. Yeah, you have it. Glory to God. Oh, Father, thank you. You know, we were praying for you the other day, me and Lily. And uh, I said, come on, let's pray for our family. And so we started praying. And uh, she looked at me and she said, well, let's pray for Miss Gloria because she's our family. You're our family. I don't know if you know that, but I'm telling you in public, you are our family. And we love you. Father. I thank you for healing my family member. I thank you, Lord, for healing Sister Gloria. Father, she's labored. She's labored to teach my child the truth of the word. Lord, my child knows about this covenant because Miss Gloria taught her that in the nursery. So I thank you that as I lay my hands on her today, that that pain leaves her body and that healing begins to affect this situation. Uh, boy, there it went. 
There, oh, there it went. There, oh, Jesus, there it went. Oh, 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 oh. Eh, 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 eh. There it went. There, oh, my Jesus, there it went. Glory to God. Mmm. Sickness. Can't stay. You can't stay. You can't stay. <laughs> Stephanie, we know what we believe. We know what we believe. Every time I see you, I say, how you doing, healed woman? That's what we believe. This apparatus has nothing to say about your healing. Has nothing to say about it. Walking is the end goal. This apparatus doesn't mean you're not healed. And the enemy's been trying to beat you up with that recently. Well, you're saying this and you're saying that and you're still wheeling here and wheeling there. Yeah, but you're wheeling. Got one of the best chairs going. God's blessed you with the ability to have it. Now, I know what we want, ultimately, but this is where we're at. And you're healed. In the name of Jesus. There it went. There it went. In the name of Jesus. Oh, glory be to Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, from the root, from the root, from the root, from the foundation of that. Uh, just like the tree in Mark 11, where it dried up from the root. There it goes. Hey, there it goes. Hey. Hey, my kakatasha. Oh, what a presence.
you know something? The Lord's not done this with me very often. I, I don't know what this is all concerning. You've either gotten a phone call, a communication, or you will get a communication from a family member. When you get it, don't be moved. Don't be moved. I don't know what it is. I just know the Lord says don't be moved. All right? Because here's what I heard. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. It'll be okay. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. God bless everybody. Thank you, Jesus. All of you watching online, God bless you. Uh, don't forget, all this week, we're there at uh, 9101 Lou Drive in uh, Little Rock with Prophet Ford at Reality of the Gospel Ministries. and uh, Hear and Be Healed Conference. So come join us if you can. And until that time, till we see you then or whenever we see you again, keep the switch faith turned on and build your faith and frame your world by the word of God. God bless you.